Welcome to TNS, the new school at Commonweal, a collaborative learning project exploring nature, culture, and consciousness. Join us now for a presentation given by Michael Lerner at Healing Circles Langley on Whidbey Island in Washington, titled Healing Circles, Inquiry as Method. It is such a joy, like I think I'd get clumped to see this lineup here. <laughs> These are people that mean a lot to me, and they are really why we're all here. Uh, we, you know the story, Kelly and I had this idea, we carried it for like half a day, and then we <laughs> met Michael, and he said by noon, well, I'll do that with you. That was pretty extraordinary. Okay, so just to repeat since I wasn't mic'd, you know the story, that we had the idea on a, I don't was it a Wednesday afternoon? Yeah, Wednesday afternoon. And Thursday at noon was when we met Michael. He said that he would help us, wonderful, welcome, help us figure out what this was. We then started to say, but we have wonderful people on this island who can also help us, and some of them are sitting here right now. I see Rick. I see Susanna. Who else was part of the Thought Circle? Heather, right in front of me. Yeah. And then we still weren't too sure what it actually was. And then Christina walked out of the woods with her backpack on when we were taking a hike in the Whidbey Institute and said, oh, I'm doing a circle training and you're invited. <laughs> and Anne and Christina led one in August and that was it. So to gather everyone here tonight is marvelous. And Michael Lerner, for those of you who don't know, is the president of Commonweal. His cancer help program, which is now how old? 33 years. 33 years, is the model for this work all over the world. Anne and Christina's work, which was originally called Pure Spirit and is now morphed into the Circle Way is also a model for this work all over the world. And it turns out, so are we. <laughs> so that's pretty exciting. And that's what tonight is about, or anything else Michael chooses to talk about. Well, welcome to you all. It's so sweet to be back with you. Let's just start with a moment of silence together, which we do a lot in Healing Circle. Peace, peace. Also in Healing Circles work, most of you know, we often start with poems. And this is a poem some of you know already and some of you have heard me uh, say. Uh, Hafiz is one of the great transcendental Sufi poets. And this is a poem of his called In a Tree House. How many people know this? Ooh, how lovely. Yeah, maybe one. <laughs> this is by Hafiz. I may even read it twice to you, just so you know. Light will someday split you open, even if your life is now a cage. For a divine seed, the crown of destiny, is hidden and sown on an ancient fertile plain you hold the title to. Love will surely burst you wide open 
into an unfettered, blooming new galaxy, even if your mind is now a spoiled mule. A life-giving radiance will come. The friend's grace, for the Sufi's friend means the divine. A life-giving radiance will come. A friend, the friend's grace will come. Oh, look again within yourself, for I know you were once the elegant host to all the marvels and creation. From a sacred crevice in your body, a bow rises each night and shoots your soul into God. Behold the beautiful drunk singing one from the lunar vantage point of love. He is conducting the affairs of the whole universe while throwing wild parties in a treehouse on a limb in your heart. (laughs) I'll just read that one more time because it takes two times. In a Treehouse by Hafiz. Light. I, I want you to notice it goes light and then it goes love and then it goes shoot a bow. So light is the mind, love is the heart, shoot a bow is the hands. So heart, head, hands, the, th- the things we're all given is part of the underlying structure of this poem. I'm sure it's purposeful. Light will someday split you open even if your life is now a cage, for a divine seed, the crown of destiny, is hidden and sown on an ancient fertile plain you hold the title to. Love will surely burst you wide open, even if your mind, into an unfettered blooming new galaxy even if your mind is now a spoiled mule. A life-giving radiance will come. The friend's grace will come. Oh, look again within yourself, for I know you were once the elegant host to all the marvels in creation. From a sacred crevice in your body, a bow rises each night and shoots your soul into God. Behold the beautiful, drunk, singing one from the lunar vantage point of love. He is conducting the affairs of the whole universe while throwing wild parties in a treehouse on a limb in your heart. (laughs) Thank you all for being here. Special thanks to my beloved partners, Diana and Kelly Lindsay, who co-founded Healing Circles Langley. If it were not that Kelly said to Diana one day, we're not going to rent this place out to somebody. We're going to turn it into a healing center. And that's how it began, with Kelly Lindsay saying that to Diana. And then the incredible dance that they do, whether it's on the ferry going back and forth to the or throughout their lives. Kelly and his incredible blog on uh, Caring Bridge, is that what it's called? Caring Bridge. Um, Has this wonderful part where he talks about how he's not such a great leader in dance, but Diana's a great follower. (laughs) So however they frame it, I'm not sure Diana would frame it the same way, but however they frame it, 
these two danced this place into being. And so, you know, from the bottom of our hearts, and for those of you who don't know, and those of you who will listen and don't know the Healing Circle's story, Diana has lived now how many years with metastatic lung cancer? Thirteen. Thirteen years, uh, an extraordinary uh, period with metastatic uh, lung cancer, and is doing very well. And Kelly then developed a kidney cancer first, right? And then how long ago did the glioma show up? Three months or something like that. Yeah. And so for three months he's been living with a glioma. And for those of you who have not visited Kelly's Caring Bridge uh, blog, in all my years of doing this work, I have never seen anybody do a blog like Kelly's blog. It is a complete astonishment, and I know there is a book in it. So I know that somebody is going to take that blog and do a light edit and turn it into a most astonishing resource. So may you be with us for many years to enjoy how all of us benefit from it. It's just... One point of clarification. Yeah. There we go. Kelly says, one point of clarification, he's not living with a glioblastoma, it's living with him. And for those of you who don't know his blog, Kelly has an internal reality that I asked him about how real it is over dinner the other night, and he looked at me and said, it's as real as this room. So this incredible thing that sounds to the reader like a fantasy of some kind, is in fact active imagination of the most powerful kind. And I just have every belief that it has to do with how well you're doing and with however this goes, uh, because I just love how you are living with it. I just love it. And all the years I've done this work, I have never seen anybody do what you're doing. So, yeah. So, in addition to thanking Diana and Kelly, I want to thank Susanna Fest and the Steering Committee, uh, which have uh, sustained Healing Circles Langley as Diana and Kelly have stepped back for a time, and to each and every member of the Healing Circles Langley community who support this extraordinary model of Healing Circles work. This is the fifth anniversary of Healing Circles Langley. And one of our mottos is Christina Baldwin's lovely admonition, move at the pace of guidance. Can you all hear me, by the way? Okay. Move at the pace of guidance. I had it wrong for a while. I used to say move only at the pace of guidance. But then somebody pointed out that sometimes guidance can move like lightning. And other times it moves at a more leisurely pace. But that motto, move at the pace of guidance, is how I try to do all our work at Commonweal, not just the Healing Circles work. Move at the pace of guidance. And I think it's just such a beautiful approach to this work. Now, uh, so, um, the work really began. Uh, I had a vision for this work, but it wasn't until I partnered with Diana and Kelly that we began to make the vision a reality. And um, so, um, uh, so now, five years later, we have Healing Circle Center 
in Langley, Healing Circles Langley, Healing Circles Houston with David Spall, Healing Circles Jerusalem, which was started by the husband of an alumna of the Commonwealth Cancer Health Program who went back to Israel and asked her husband if she died to you know, create a, a cancer health program and healing circles program there. Healing circles at Callanish Society in Vancouver, British Columbia, where Janie Brown is one of the astonishing partners in healing circles work. Healing circles at Smith Center for Healing and the Arts, which I co-founded 25 years ago um, as a partner to Commonweal. Healing circles at Commonweal for alumni of the Cancer Help Program. Uh, uh, healing circles at Harmony Hill in Union, which again, like Janie Brown's Kalanush, uh, both came about because uh, when Bill Moyers filmed the Cancer Help Program for Healing on the Mind, these two amazing nurses, Gretchen Schode at Harmony Hill and Janie Brown at Kalanush, uh, saw the Moyers program, immediately called Commonweal, came down for one of our early training programs and started. And um, there, was, um, there was a wonderful uh, moment when Janie Brown, at the end of the program, approached Rachel Naomi Remen, my partner in, in Commonweal's Cancer Health Program. It was the end of it, and she said to her, okay, now we've done the training, what do I do? And Rachel said, go home, find your people, and start. And um, so Diana has her version of that. I'm kind of skipping out of turn here. I'm going to come back to Diana's version because I have a tremor, so if I have to shuffle papers too much, it gets really complicated. I will come back to Diana's version of this. We'll get there. So um, what is what is Healing Circles? And this most of you know, but the listeners who will hear this don't know. We have a saying, if it touches the heart and guides us on our path, it's a healing circle. When I was talking with Diana just the other day, I said to her, how do you understand this work after five years? And she thought for a moment and she said, we heal best in community. We suffer when we don't have community, and we can provide community to others. So that very simple statement, we heal best in community, we suffer when we don't have community, and we can provide community to others. So um, Rachel Remen said the same thing to me about the Cancer Health Program. She said the great innovation of the Cancer Health Program was understanding that healing takes place in community. This is something Rick Ingrassi has thought about for decades. Um, and, um, but what I would add to that is you create community, and then in the community there's both this collective sense of belonging and support, but you also find friends. You find specific people that you are deeply drawn to. And so in addition to the collective sense of support, you find what I would call, at the deepest level, soul friends. And when you find soul friends, what is ignited? Love is ignited. 
And when love is ignited, I think almost everybody in this room knows that there is no more powerful healing force than the healing power of love. So, as Diana says, we heal best in community, we suffer when we don't have community, and we can provide community to others. And I would add to that, community creates this uh, chalice of support. And within that, we find each other. And in finding each other, we find those people to whom we are most drawn. And in finding the people to whom we are most drawn, we discover new possibilities, even in later life, where it's harder to make friends. But we find new possibilities for love. And love, ignited in us, is the most powerful healing force. So that's my understanding of how this actually works. So why did I call the title for this talk, Healing Circles, Inquiry as Method? I mean that Healing Circles is, above all else, a learning community of people dedicated to deep healing work, which includes healing, learning, growing, and caring. Now, it's very important that we don't endorse or teach a single method of circle work. And I talked with Christina Baldwin and the wonderful spiritual biography she let me do for the new school at Commonwealth, which I encourage you all to listen to because it is so beautiful about Christina and Anne's work. But Christina and I explored the many traditions of circle work. Uh, you know, um, Alcoholics Anonymous, in many respects, is the grandfather of, of circle work in the United States self-care movement. You know, at the time that they started it, alcoholism was considered a fatal disease, and there was nothing anybody <coughs> could do about it. And so there was this incredible innovation. And guess what? Uh, in... Uh, in the healing circles of Alcoholics Anonymous, one of the critical dimensions was the surrender of oneself to a higher power as we understand it. You know? And so there was this opening from the start in, in deep circle work that not only was there the human circle, but there was the connection through that circle to some version of the divine, whether it's nature or you know, uh, a god or uh, the friend or, as the Sufis say, the friend with a small f leads to the friend with a big f. That if you experience transcendent love for a human being, it opens you to the divine. That was the Sufi um, uh, perspective. So we draw freely on all the great traditions of circle work. And why do we do that? It's because different people from different cultures and different conditions have different needs for different kinds of circles. So what is healing for one person can be harmful for another. So the proof that something is a healing circle is not in the method. It's in the experience of the people in the circle. You can only describe a circle as healing to the degree that the people around the perimeter of the circle actually experience it as healing. So it's not a method. It is an inquiry. It is an inquiry into the conditions of healing for different people under different conditions in different cultures. So our healing circles learning community is engaged in a continuous Socratic inquiry into the nature of the good. It is an inquiry into the nature of good circle work for healing, learning, growing, and caring.
That said, Healing Circles Langley has created a beautiful model. We don't claim it to be the only one, but it is a beautiful model from which many people start. Healing Circles Houston started from that model. We're starting a Healing Circles training at Commonweal, and I looked around again freshly at everything, and I thought, you know what? We're just going to teach the Healing Circles Langley method because it's the most straightforward way to begin to train people. So, uh, and the Healing Circles Langley method, as Diana said, is based especially on the incredible work, which makes me cry, of Christina Baldwin and Anne Linnea, who are based here on Whitby, and with whom Kelly and Diana trained. And I'm so grateful you're both here tonight to participate in the conversation. Um, I commend to everybody the beautiful work that Christina and Anne have done in their great work with books like The Circle Way and Calling the Circle. So, what is a healing circle according to the healing circle Langley model? And I'll just go through this briefly. Most of you know it all too well. Healing circles help us step out of ordinary time into safe and accepting environment in which to explore our healing. With open minds, we work together to discover the best ways to remove obstacles to healing, alleviate suffering, and deepen our capacity to heal. With open hearts, we access our own inner guidance to understanding where the greatest healing in body, emotions, mind, and spirit can occur. What are the agreements that protect a healing circle? We treat each other with kindness and respect. We listen with compassion and curiosity. We honor each other's unique ways of healing and don't presume to advise or fix or try to save each other. We hold all stories shared in the circle confidential. We trust each of us has the guidance we need within us and we rely on the power of silence to access it. What are the practices of healing circle? Listen with attention, speak with intention, and tend to the well-being of the whole circle which, of course, is one of the great insights that Christina and Anne brought to the leader in every chair around the perimeter of the circle. Then, again, drawing on Christina and Anne, there are a host and a guardian. The host convenes and pays attention to the flow of the circle. The guardian watches time, holds the bell, and tracks agreements. And when the circle has done its work, the host should know how and when the circle will close. Preparing a healing circle, creating a beautiful welcoming space, clean, well-lit, comfortable chairs, transition from social welcoming to circle time, create a center for the circle, candle, flowers, or shared object, <coughs> then holding a healing circle, entering the circle with silence, candle, or possibly a poem or music, check-in and heart-sharing, often using a talking stick, you can do more than one round, Harvesting or learning, learning from the collective wisdom in the room or outside resources. Closing, leaving the circle. And I would emphasize the importance of social time before and after the circle. That's where a lot of the real work gets done. You know, Rick and Grassi's uh, incredible gatherings, the summer gathering on Cortez, the winter gathering here, the fall gathering he helped us start at Commonweal are based on the assumption that what really works in, uh, in convenings like this, are the, is this is the time between things, you know, where people just get together and share. And so this is a reflection of that 
inside of yours, right? So again, uh, four different kinds of circles. Healing circles are safe environments for those with a common condition to share experiences and harvest collective wisdom. Discovery circles are for those who like to process what they are facing through a specific form of creative expression. Learning circles are for those who share an interest in a topic or wish to develop a healing skill. And caring circles, deeply important, support those who care for others, including family, friends, professionals, and volunteers. Diana has shared that one of the great insights that she's had in this new experience with Kelly is uh, what it means to be a caretaker, which of course Kelly had an opportunity to learn when Diana was going through her experience. So then, deepening circle work by creative expression, ritual art, poetry, music, and movement, addressing soul questions, meaning, grief, fear, and uncertainty, energy work, healing touch, healing intention, subtle energies, and deepening our own personal work. Uh, And of course, you cannot take other people further than you've gone yourself. That's fundamental. And so anybody interested in Healing Circle's work really has a a lifelong obligation to keep working on themselves. You know, I I have wondered, maybe Anne and Linnea will uh, be able to reflect on this uh, for us, but I, I do wonder whether we're all broken. I know there are some people who don't think they're broken, I don't know whether they're actually not broken or whether they don't know they're broken. And I also wonder whether so-called spiritually enlightened people have gotten past being broken or whether that's just one of the illusions that they still carry, you know. But I think for most of us, myself radically included, I am one broken human being. I was given a few useful skills, which I'm grateful for. But inside, I just have a lot that is so incomplete. And part of the gift I've been given is that that is never away from my mind. So I have no illusion that I'm anything more than somebody who was given some useful skills and I'm grateful for the opportunity to contribute them. Uh, But uh, I just think maybe we all need this, you know? Maybe it's not about being sick or having gone through a divorce or a death of a spouse or uh, loss of a job or, you know, midlife crisis or whatever it is. Maybe we all need this. Now, that doesn't mean we all need to be in a formal healing circles place. It just means that somehow, because I deeply believe, and I say uh, to Diana and others, it's all circle work. Our whole lives are circle work. There's the circle of one with ourselves and all our subpersonalities and how we struggle and make it through the night. There's the circle of two with the people we love and trust, you know. There's the circle of three or four with close friends or people that we really care about. There are the circles of more, right? And when you engage with circle work and create rituals that enable 
people to hold trust and go deep, the way the healing circles Langley go, you then begin to recognize my whole life is circle work. So I can begin to become more skillful in every circle, whether I'm sitting next to somebody on an airplane or whatever it is. It's all circle work from that point of view. And as Christina and Anne have clearly said, and rightly so, circle work goes back to the beginnings of human history when people started sitting around a campfire together. So we're not inventing a single thing here. There's nothing that we are inventing. What we're doing for our time is simply remembering. It's simply an act of remembrance, of rediscovery, of something that in the absence of shared rituals that characterize modernity, we've often lost connection with. And so we have to reinvent it. You're listening to a TNS conversation with Michael Lerner at Healing Circles Langley in Washington State. The other thing I will add here, in addition to just all the trials of being human, is that we live at a time when the world is on fire. And at a time where, you know, uh, the challenges that we all know are coming toward us are going to be beyond enormous. So the grief that most of us in this room feel about this period of time is enormous. And so many people are carrying anxiety, depression, grief that is not necessarily just connected to their individual circumstance. But the sense of living in a time when so much of God's creation is being lost. So if you think about it, the opportunities for circle work as we move forward are going to be beyond immense. They are going to be beyond immense. And I personally am most drawn to the circle work that we do this at Commonweal, I am most drawn to the circle work that is equally open to people across the entire political and social and cultural spectrum. At Commonweal in the Cancer Health Program and in our circle work, we leave politics at the door. This is important for us. I don't say everybody needs to do it that way. But for us, that sense that we want to be a safe refuge for evangelical Christians and Muslims and Jews and, you know, uh, everybody. Um, and in order to do that, we create that safety. Now, I often think of Commonweal as a fleet of ambulances that are going out into the battlefields of life just to tend to the wounded. And Healing Circles, I think, is one of our most useful ambulances in that sense. So I promised you I'd get back to um, Diana's quote. Uh, as I said, uh, Janie asked Rachel how to start her center, and Rachel said, well, you just go home, find your people, and start. That's how Rachel and I started the Cancer Help Program 33 years ago. We found each other, we found our people, and we started. And you know, uh, there's this great quote that's attributed to Goethe, though he may not have actually said it, but it's, you all know it. Whatever you can do or dream you can, begin it. 
Boldness has genius, power, and magic in it. Whatever you can do or dream you can, begin it. Boldness has genius, power, and magic in it. Diana puts it a little differently, speaking to young people like Annalena Bircher, who is visiting Healing Circles Langley this week uh, with her friend Chip Marshall. They flew in from Switzerland, and thanks to you both for coming. It's just a great gift to have you here. And Annalena is planning to uh, uh, start uh, Healing Circles work in Zurich. She was an intern at Commonweal and went through the Cancer Health Program. And we actually now have... uh, Hey, Ming, welcome. We actually uh, have uh, three uh, incredibly gifted young people who've been here in the last week or month. Yeah, last three weeks, yeah. Yeah. So um, the new generation is showing up to do this work. So what Diana said to Annalena was, uh, Annalena asked her how you do this. And Diana said, your vision pulls you forward. You have a vision. Your vision pulls you forward. Your team sustains you. It helps to create a strategic plan just to think out what you intend to do. But then put the plan down and join the learning curve, or what Michael calls the learning community. So your vision sustains you. Useful to create some kind of strategic plan, but then you put it down. Because the work will show you what it wants to be, and it will be beyond your imagining. And so when I talk about healing circles, uh, inquiry as method, it is that the ongoing inquiry of what the work is showing us that it wants to be takes us far beyond any strategic plan we could ever possibly have invented. So what I would add to what Diana said is this, and this is my premise at Commonweal in a lot of our projects. We have about 24 projects. The first one is, Figure out how to start with no money beyond your own means so that no one can stop you. (laughs) That is critical. If you are grant dependent and you say to people, I will do this if you give us money, you are a captive of the philanthropic machine. But if you say, I am doing this, it is the work of my life and I will continue to do it. And if you want to join us, you are welcome. It is a completely different dynamic. The second is, start small and make your mistakes while you are small so you can learn from them. And then a a second corollary of that, which I just had an opportunity to practice with Susanna Fest when we missed a meeting with her, is embrace error. If you're a learning community, which Healing Circles is and Commonweal is a learning organization, you cannot punish error. You need to embrace error so you don't keep making the same mistakes again. So whenever something screws up, I try to take responsibility for it, you know, even if somebody else could. I'd prefer to take responsibility for it because I'm modeling the embracing of error and making it safe for everybody in the organization to embrace error. The third thing, as I've said, is in my way of thinking, everything is circle work. Uh, And when we recognize we're practicing circle work all the time, we become conscious of the craft of what we're doing in all relationships. Uh, We will fail constantly because we are each radically imperfect human beings. And circle work is a way to discover that our wounds are also our openings to growth. 
So in my view, this is sacred work. So then Diana, continuing her conversation with Annalena, said to Annalena, fear enters in. How will you pay the rent? How will you get people to come? And then critically, what if you're not good enough? What if people discover that you're not good enough? Healing Circle's trainings, Diana says, are basically designed to help people let go of the fear that they're not good enough and to do what they can do. Because Healing Circle's work comes naturally to us. In a sense, it's our birthright. But that doesn't mean we don't need to study it and practice it. It's our birthright. But any good method is a ritual for dropping us into the work in a deeper way. And so we need to practice our birthright. Now, some people are just naturally gifted at it. They have incredible social and emotional intelligence, and it just comes to them. Also, they are deeply polite. I mean, one of my shortcomings is I wish I were more polite. I'm just not that good at being polite. I'm too eager to jump in and drive the conversation somewhere. But some people who have a tremendous innate ability to be polite, to listen, and just they do it naturally. So they may not need the trainings. I don't believe everybody needs the training at all. Some, you know, it's, it's, all, it's all ours. But the trainings are enormously useful to become conscious of what you're doing in your daily life as well as in your work in Healing Circle. Diana says, we're here to serve our community. She says this to Annalena. We never know who will walk in the door. When someone walks in, we try to understand why they have come, what they have to offer, and what they need. Different styles of risk. This is really important. Some people starting Healing Circles work can tolerate ambiguity and the unknown. Diana says, we can tolerate the organic. We encourage and enjoy the unknown. Others can't tolerate this level of ambiguity. So the person starting it has to know how much ambiguity they can work with. Some people will want it all in detail before they begin. You know, they want it all to be safe and scripted and so on. But there's a level at which that gets in the way of the work. That's just like needing to put down the strategic plan. And the more you can open yourself in a creative way to the ambiguity, I think the better it tends to go. Diana says, many people have come come to Healing Circles Langley because some circumstance changed. They moved, their partner died or got sick, they got sick or went through a divorce. She says, um, there are plenty of people on Whidbey who have gone back generations here, and they have strong, intact networks, and so a lot of their healing circles work can be done in their strong, intact networks. But then they get sick or something happens, and you know they need to go outside of those networks sometimes. Diana says, we want to create the best possible support net. What is really good social support? Our agreements tell us a lot about that. No fixing, no saving, 
That may seem counterintuitive, but it has to come from the individual. Kelly says, and beautifully so, that at healing circles we create a low barrier to entry. Diana says, churches used to provide this level of support, but we want to be there for people who don't relate to churches as well. I remember Diana telling me, I hope this is not confidential, about... <laughs> oh, well, bygones, about, is yeah. says. <laughs> about two nuns. Can I tell that story? Uh, sure. Yeah? <laughs> we'll find out. Two nuns who are here today, apparently, who called Healing Circles the Church of None of the Above. <laughs> is that okay with whoever said that? I hope it is. I love it. And I want to close with something Susanna Fess said, or almost close, and then I'm going to turn to my discussants here. Susanna said, and I just want to thank Susanna so much for the way that she's... Where's Susanna? Okay. The way you've been holding this work. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Um, brings tears. Susanna said, we provide the good things without the bad. Psychology is so often focused on pathology, and education is focused on grades and credentials. So we do the psychological and spiritual work not focused on the pathology, and we do the learning work not focused on grades and credentials. So, you know, it's the joy of both the psycho-spiritual dimensions of healing and um, all the dimensions of, uh, of learning. <coughs> Somebody said that um, healing is to curing as learning is to education. You know, that healing is the, the whole integrative process, as opposed to curing the medical condition. And learning is what we do here, is, as opposed to education where you're getting grades and, and all those kinds of things. So, I'm going to stop there, and um, Christina, I'm going to ask you first if you would be willing to offer any reflections, either on this or on anything else that comes to you from all the work that the two of you have done. In, in three minutes? Yeah. I'm going to stand up so you can see me. I want to go back to what Diana said first, which is, look how we have outgrown our space. Because I think that is a profound leader into everything you have just said, Michael. Mm -hmm. And especially the need to outgrow a space, a defined space. And at the same time, to provide safe space wherever we are. Mm -hmm. So as I have become a student of sacred space... You know, and people have asked Anne and me over the years, how do you get to be a master at this? And we say, you never are a master at it. You are always a student. And that it is in that kind of sense of fresh learning and constant learning that the space itself opens up and helps us flourish. So Healing Circles put a staff in the ground and created this beauty and created an edge so that people could step in. You know, and I think crossing the threshold into this kind of work is a very important 
um, spiritual, physical act that we step over, we step off the street, we sit down. But you could do this circle out in the middle of the road and make the cars go around you too. You know, and polite Langleyites would probably not run us over if we were out there, you know. In fact, in Madrid, when there was a lot of uprising of young students um, complaining about the fact that Spain's economy was so poor that there was like 30% unemployment for people under 30, and they felt like they couldn't start a life, they drew chalk on the sidewalks and sat down in a circle and put the question in the middle. They wrote the question in the middle about how is our country going to help support this generation. And people are walking through the circle and they would just pull on their pant legs and say, sit down with us and address this. You know, so that's what I mean. We can do this out on the street and it's so helpful when we are in the most vulnerable questions of our lives to have the beauty and the spaciousness of a place like this. The other thing I want to pick up from Michael is saying it's all circle work. I am sacred space. I'm not perfect, but I work every day when I see someone coming toward me, whether it's at the Payless grocery store or the mailbox or um, out of the kitchen with my beloved, is to go, okay, prepare yourself to be sacred space here for a minute because healing circles can happen in 30 seconds and be done. You know, meeting someone's eye. Helping someone. Um, I see some profound practitioners of that in this room. And I know that's how we function. The other thing that came to me a few weeks ago was a new quote by Bill Grace that I love. And it says, community welcomes the stranger. If you do not welcome the stranger, you're a club. <laughs> right? To be a community, you must welcome the stranger. And I think that um, Langley and South Whidbey is in a wake-up about that, about our capacity to welcome the stranger, to increase our awareness of the issues that um, we face and that we live with and that we want to live with, we need to live with. And so that feels to me like a really good growing edge for me is like, okay, how do I welcome more and more the stranger and more and more the strangeness of the times? Um, to be uncomfortable. My question in my early 70s is how uncomfortable am I willing to be in the next 10 years? Right? How uncomfortable? And I want to live in a community where we can be profoundly uncomfortable together. And that is based on this kind of healing work. Because if we don't know that we can sit down and just bare our hearts to one another, then we don't know how to be uncomfortable together without just flipping into some anger edge. You know, Not that anger is bad, but just first we need to know we have the capacity to be vulnerable and naked to one another and with one another, and then let's get really uncomfortable together. So that's where I am. Thank you, Christina.
Well, those of you who know me know that I am a person of few words, and you'll probably be relieved about that. In the... <laughs> <laughs> um, I think what I want to add, as I look out over this sea of faces, and I know many of you, of course, to varying degrees, but every single person in this room is a profound practitioner of circle work. And it is an incredible privilege to live in a community that carries this ambiance forward. And it gives us a profound responsibility, as Christina said, to welcome the stranger to wake ourselves up. And the only other thing that I'm going to add is that a huge part of our healing potential is the earth that holds us here in this place. And its obvious profound beauty is something I never take for granted. And I just want to speak that into the room that, wow, we are all practitioners, and look what is holding the larger container of who we are. Kelly, would you be willing to say a few words, or do you not want to? Yeah? yeah. Um, first of all, I'd like to bow to my mentors and to my other mentors. It always seems to me, Diane and I get a whole lot of... Uh, credit for this, but we just opened the door to the space, and it would not be here if it weren't for you. We might have started something, but you're continuing it, so thank you all. The other thing is your, the ambiguity uh, thing you talked about. Somebody brought the, uh, there's a Voltaire quote that I'd forgotten about, about uncertain to be in an uncomfortable position, but certainty being an absurd one. And I, I, totally, I totally get that. that. That's my new bumper sticker. That's it. I think I ran out of words. Diana. You were a good listener this morning. <laughs> Not sure I have other words. Um, You know, like Kelly, you, you can see what a giant head start we had here with the three people sitting in front. Mm -hmm. And as Kelly said, it's because of the extraordinary gifts and presence and um, life that you all bring that this has become what it's become. We did not have the imagination for this. We did not. Uh, we never, our, our plan, here, here was our plan. <laughs> One Saturday a month, we would offer a healing circle for cancer patients. Mm -hmm. On Saturday. We've yet to do that. <laughs> I, I can't believe you just gave away that plan. We look, worked like three minutes on <laughs> We have to thank Rick and Grassi and Peggy Taylor for the shredding of the plan. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but we know deeply and personally how much community matters in healing. I learned it from my own healing, and Kelly is learning it for his, and I learned it as a caregiver this time. When I was brought to my knees as a caregiver right after Snowmageddon in, in Seattle, those of you who don't live in Seattle will laugh at us that we are completely immobilized by snow, but it was a very hard time and I got back to the island and the first thing I did was call a circle. And I just said, help. I've never been so vulnerable in my life. I don't know how to do this. I need your help. And that circle created such beauty that at the end of Kelly's radiation treatment, we said, we're sorry, it's over. <laughs> Who says that about radiation and chemo? <laughs> but it's because every day we were held, every day somebody came to us and either walked with us or drove us or fed us or was just there for us. And so each day could be complete unto itself. I told Michael this morning that this period in our life feels like we're trying to make each day a good day. It's a pearl unto itself. And we're stringing those days together on a necklace. And I think that's what goes on here too. We just make this circle today, right now, whether it's just between you and me, whether it's between this group here, whether it's a formal circle or an informal circle, we just make it as good as it can be. And we open it to everyone. And that opening it to everyone piece, that's just not human nature. And we've learned a lot about over this. People get together, they come into circle, and what do they do? They love each other. They hear from each other's deepest heart, and they just can't help but love each other. And so then the next thing they say is, well, then we've got to close the circle, because there can't possibly be others who we will love as much. You're listening to a TNS Conversation with Michael Lerner at Healing Circles Langley in Washington State. But it's not true. We, our hearts can expand. When you have one child, then you have another. You find out that you can love two, <laughs> you know, and you can love three, and you can love four, and we can continue that. And so we feel that this is an experiment in, in that. We know that we each have moments of really beautiful and profound support. But can we offer that to everybody? What are our limits? What are our individual limits? What are our collective limits? Do we have any? I don't know those questions. So when Michael says inquiry is method, like that's the question that just sits out there. What is good social support for everyone? Because nobody's alike. None of it's alike. So we know that it has to have flexibility built in. We know it has to be different. Um, and it just seems like it's a beautiful life work to try to figure that out. So thank you all for your part in that. Uh, I would like to just add on to that a little bit. With the mic. Uh, I would say what is social support, not necessarily for everyone, but for anyone. Mm -hmm. I mean, anyone is a matter of scale. 
or everyone's a matter of scale. And you know, that's something you got to kind of work into. But so support for anyone, I think, is what we're and that's the dance we do. <laughs> so should we end because it's 8 o'clock, or do we have time for a little more? I don't know how this works in terms of time. We have another half an hour, oh, and we could take questions. So or? what I'd like to do is uh, I've you got a, a mic. I'd like to ask Rick Congrassi, who is part of your thought circle at the start and has given this so much thought for any reflections. Before Rick speaks, I just want to honor the presence of my friend and colleague Ming, also known as Tutu, an incredible uh, artist and Zen practitioner who, with his partner Angela O, oh, does a commonweal project called The Gift of Compassion in Los Angeles, where they do incredible circle work with low-income communities using Tutu's amazing art and contemplative practice. And so Ming, um, Thank you for being here and honoring us with your presence. Thank you. Yeah. Rick. Well, there's really not much to add to what you've said. It's really, uh, my heart is full just listening. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but I, I have noticed in my own work and my own life that uh, community has become the focal point of my inquiry. And that's been for a while, as you know. I've been mm -hmm. doing gatherings at Hollyhock and Woodby Institute in Commonwealth for 33 years now. And what it's about for me is a field of love that becomes a generative process simply because people feel safe and supported by the circles that they're in. And in, in the course of the last 50 years of my life, the neuroscience and the anthropology around humans as social animals who have the capacity to cooperate and collaborate together and find solutions to human problems and I would say ecosystemic problems at this point because not only do I think we're all wounded, I think we're all traumatized mm -hmm. by the death of the ecosystem mm -hmm. or the impending destruction of the life support that we depend on. So. We have our work cut out for us, and those of you who know me know that I always frame this as the uh, creating a new culture is about throwing a better party. <laughs> and what I mean by that is that there really is a joyful, positive way to embrace the uncertainty and the ambiguity and the unknown so that we can play and be creative and be loving. Uh, in all kinds of unique and wonderful ways. I really, uh, we're all very lucky to be alive in this moment. Thank you. Rick, could you pass that to Susanna Fest, if Susanna be willing to, just a few words, Susanna, come on, you can say something. Way yeah. to put somebody on the spot. <laughs> I am. But you're very central to this work, so. Oh. Let, let me ask it, put a question for you. What have you learned since you've taken over so much of the program work with Diana and Kelly stepping back about Healing Circles work? <clears throat> How much time do we have? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've learned a lot. Um, I've learned a lot about inclusiveness, about... Um, Honoring differences, um, about suspending judgments, mm 
Um, and I think I have never been, I moved to Whitby 10 years ago, and I have never been in a community like this before. And that's been a real profound learning, um, how supportive and how lovely community can be. And Healing Circles has been a really important part in this. Mm. Thank you. So, so open, open now. Rick, do you want to pass it to whoever would like it? Sure. Questions, thoughts, reflections. Welcome. And have people identify themselves. Yes, please identify yourself. Don't be shy. <laughs> I'm Diana Sandoval. Um, I first came to Healing Circles um, after my husband had um, a stem cell transplant and was able to finally have time for myself. And so I came here just to, you know, find myself again. And then a couple years ago, um, after the election, a friend started a Healing Circle for people of color. And it brings tears to my eyes because, um, as beautiful as Woodby is, it had been a very difficult place for me to live. And I feel like I've been saying this for um, weeks now, I feel like I can stay here because of that circle. And then last week, talk about paying attention to what's gonna emerge and, and go in with guidance. We had a chance to listen to some high school students and we had their 20 minute lunch period and we go, the next day was going to be our healing circle for um, black, indigenous, people of color. We go, we got to cancel that and invite them instead. And they were here last Wednesday. And um, it was amazing. It was heartbreaking. It was beautiful. And uh, trust got built that just from being in this space. And we've, um, we want to have them back. Um, you'll hear more from us probably in the newspaper. <laughs> in a good way, we're doing it in a healing circle way. And so I, uh, I feel like it's in a, been a place for anyone, including those of us who've not felt like we've had a voice. So thank you. Thank you so much for that. It's a great honor. Others, reflections, questions? Pass it down to you. So I was with Fritz and Vivian when they started. Um, say your name. Would be, I was with Fritz and Vivian Could when you they started Chinook. And um, the vision then was to create community. And South Woodby Island is real, a really wonderful community, partly because of all the people who came. Mm. And it's, um, yeah, so I just wanted to point you know, it's not like, well, they deserve credit or anything like that. It's more about how do you create community? And what we're doing now with Healing Circle is helping people who have illness mm -hmm. and trauma. Mm -hmm. And there are spiritual truths that have to do with joy. 
and wonder that are behind the building of community. Thank you. Other reflections? We have a quiet crew here tonight. We can always bring it to an end if everybody said what they'd like to say and hang out. Oh, that was Tim Clark. That's what. Thank you. Anybody else? And then we'll just. I have one more thing yeah? to say. Yeah. Uh, we have a yearly Healing Circles Global. I know that's hard for us all to believe. A gathering, and we put up a big map, and we said, put a pin in if you held a circle or you knew of someone who held a circle. And there were 31 locations around the world um, that had some form of organized circle. And then we asked them to put the names of what they called their circle and who the circle served. And there were 185 different varieties to it. And I absolutely loved that, that they, there are specific circles based on identities or roles or conditions or aspirations or it, people were just so creative. So I encourage all of us to continue our creativity. And it doesn't require any leadership whatsoever to make that happen. I got this email yes. of what your circle did last week and I was it just made my heart thrilled uh, because the circle just took its own initiative and just did an amazing thing. I got an email today of nurses that have come here who are now uh, starting online circles for nurses and that email just came in. So to add to Tim, find your own joy, find your own creativity, and make it happen. Christina, you had a, another reflection. This is a, a long ago story, but it just continues to live in me. And it concerns a time when Anne and I were traveling to Chicago quite regularly to work with a group of women religious. And so we were in the O'Hare airport and I want to tell you this story because I want to reinforce that the circle springs everywhere. And that it's about preparing ourselves to be it, ignite the center as invisible as it may be between the two of us, and blow out the candle at the end so you don't burn anything down. Okay? <laughs> So we're in O'Hare, and we're in the ladies' restroom at the end of a long flight. So you know, everybody runs off the plane and goes to their appropriate spots. <laughs> I get out, Anne and I are watching each other's luggage, and we're getting ready to go. And a woman comes up next to me, and she is waving her hand like this under the automatic faucet, and she can't get the water to start running. And through the mirror... She says, I'm starting to feel invisible. <laughs> and I put my arm around her and took my other hand and held it still in the faucet, and the water begins to run. <laughs> right? And so then we are, the two of us, washing our hands together. And I say, where did you come in from? 
And she's been flowing, flying in from Istanbul, where she's just been with her son, who was on furlough from the Afghan war at that time, you know, and she just downloads in a minute her whole trauma, her whole fear. And um, I said to her, would it be okay with you if I just told your son in my heart and all who are caught in this terrible conflict? And she said, yes. And so then she heads over to the door and again looks at me in the mirror and says, wow, we were like the women at the well, weren't we? Right? And both of us tear up, and I said, yes. And I look at Anne who's, and realize that Anne has been holding space for this to happen, and about four or five other women who are like the guardians, like trees in the forest, holding that space for us, okay? So a few years later, I'm telling this story at the end of a keynote to a large audience, and it touches our hearts like it always touches my heart to tell a story again. And um, the next day, a young woman at this conference comes running up to me and grabs me by the coat, and she goes, I knew what to do! I knew what to do! <laughs> and I said, what happened? She said, a bunch of us left last night. We went over to the pizza joint across the street, and we're having a good time. And I went in the bathroom, and I sat down, and I could hear someone crying in the next stall. And this young woman comes out, and she looks in the mirror, and she says, I feel invisible. <laughs> and I put my arm around her, and I made her wash her hands with me. <laughs> and I said, you are not invisible. <laughs> and we went out of the bathroom together. All right? that this is contagious, <laughs> that people recognize in us when we know how to hold a candle in the heart, all right? And that's what moving at the pace of guidance is, is looking for the opportunities to open those little minute doors of healing, and we have no idea how big that prof and how profound that is in someone's life. So, I'll see you at the broccoli. <laughs> Do you want to say that? I just uh, want to thank Christina and Anne for um, honoring us with uh, your presence and participation. And Diana and Kelly for creating this holy, sacred place that we're all in. And to each of you who have been here, um, in a very real way, healing circles as it's moving out across uh, the country, across Canada, across the world, really started here with Kelly Lindsay saying to Diana, we're not going to rent this place out, we're going to start a healing center. Mm -hmm. And that, it starts with one or two people with a commitment, and then other people gather around them. And that community creates something that none of us could have imagined. So uh, I just am so grateful to each of you who are part of this work here. 
So could we end with a moment of silence together? Peace, peace, peace. Thank you all for being here. Thank you. You've been listening to a TNS presentation given by Michael Lerner at Healing Circles Langley on Whidbey Island in Washington State. Thank you for listening to TNS, the new school at Commonweal. The new school at Commonweal is directed by Michael Lerner. Our program coordinator is Kara Epstein. Our audio producer is Ken Adams. And our theme music is by Suzanne Ciani. Visit us online at tns.commonweal.org. That's tns.commonweal.org. Commonweal is spelled C-O-M-M-O-N-W-E-A-L. You can also find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Facebook, YouTube, and Vimeo. Thanks for listening.